God, we thank you, God, that you are here right now with us. And we pray that you would just touch us as we open up your word. That, God, your word would be truth. That your word would be life. And, God, it would just really speak and minister to our hearts today. And we'll give you all the praise. We'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. And everyone say, amen. Just nudge your neighbor and make sure they're awake right now. Come on, there you go. Slap them a little bit if you think they're getting tired in the house. But we're so glad that you came to be with us this morning. We are so totally glad and thankful that you came. We realize there's a lot of other options and a lot of other great churches in town. And, and we're just thankful that you chose to be a part of us. And, and we would just say, if this is your choice and this is where you want to be, get plugged in. Get planted. Get involved. Give everything you can because God is so awesome. And that's what we're talking about this month. Being everything that you need to be in God. Not just being a fan that's just cheering on and on the sidelines going, yeah, yeah, yay. But we want to be followers of God, not just a fan of God. And, and that's the question we began by asking last week, really. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Are you a fan or are you a follower? And we just pray throughout the course of this series that you will journey from being a fan. A fan is an enthusiastic admirer. And we pray that you would journey from being that to being a committed follower of Christ. We have to first, though, identify the fan inside of us. Because most of us would say, oh yeah, I follow Christ. I'm a disciple of Christ. I live for God. But as we discovered last week in our lunch date with Jesus, maybe we're not so much of a follower as we thought we are, but maybe a fan. We talked about if we were to have lunch with Jesus and sit down and just honestly ask him the question, Jesus, how are we? What do you see in our relationship? How do you see our relationship? And the answer, I'm sure, would be very different many times to what we see in the relationship. Because so often we build what we want and what we think, and it's on our terms, isn't it? We, we would say, well, I go to church, that's a good thing to do. Well, I pay my tithes, that's a good thing to do. And I volunteer and I help, I'm kind to other people. So that's got to make me a follower. But you see, the rest of our lives, what? It comes under what we think it should be instead of really knowing what God wants for our lives. So instead of me really saying, how do you think I am? Here's the question I think everyone needs to ask and each one of us needs to ask in our life. And that is this, what kind of relationship does Jesus want to have with me? What is the relationship that Jesus really desires? I can say, well, it's this, this and this, but what is it that his word, and we're going to discover throughout this message today and other messages throughout this whole series this month, We're going to discover what God's words, the terms and the requirements and the things that he asks and expects from every one of us. But what is it? Because that's what matters the most. That's what matters the most. And I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be everything that he wants me to be in my life. I want to be a pleasing to him. I want to be an example to those around me. I want to be light and darkness. I want to bring hope to the helpless. And if I'm just a fan, if I'm just there at the games, if church is just a stadium where I come to cheer on Jesus, but it's not real in my life throughout the rest of the week, then I'm not only deceiving myself, I'm robbing other people from the life that they can have through the example that I can bring. If everyone in here was to be polled and asked this question, what is the most popular or most well-known verse in the Bible? I'm sure every one of us would say what? John 3.16, we see it at the ball games, we see it on the boards everywhere, behind the field goal, we see it up there. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a little test with you today, and that is this. You know, I've left some blanks on the screen, and I'm just going to ask you to read it with me, because I've just got a sneaking suspicion that most of you, if not all of you, know this verse, and you know what the blanks are. So come on, would you help me today? For God so the world that he... 
His only begotten Son, so that whosoever in Him should not but have Love that verse. How many loves that verse? That's the beginning of it all. If God didn't love us, if he didn't come and send his son, there would be no hope for us. So we thank God for that. That's, that's a verse that we should all know, that we should all love, because that's the beginning of our relationship. But don't change the slide yet, Susan. But what about Luke 9.23? Can anyone shout out Luke 9.23? Can anyone give it to us right now? Come on. What's Luke 9.23? No one knows that one. No one knows that one. Here's Luke 9.23, you ready? It says this, Then Jesus said unto them, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Read it one more time, Luke 9.23. Jesus said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For the next two weeks, we're going to look at this invitation because that's what it is. It's an invitation from God. It's the greatest invitation that has ever been given. We're going to look how it applies to our lives. We're going to look at the application that needs to be applied into our lives. And one thing I'm so glad of is this, that leaves no one out. No one is excluded in that verse. No one is unable to be a part of following Jesus. You may turn around today and say, you know, I don't know if I can follow Jesus. That verse tells you that you can. Come on, there is no excuse except what we make up because God has made it possible for every one of us to not just be a fan, that enthusiastic admirer, but to be a follower of him. And we love the John 3.16 and we love all those kind of things. But you know what? Let's be honest. This verse here is probably not a good advertisement for Christianity. How many would say that? How many of we are holding all that up in the ball games and we're putting Luke 9.23 like Tebow where he puts the scriptures on his, on his eye patches, or not patches because he's not a pirate, you know, the, the things under his eye. But he puts those scriptures and it's amazing. That's the number one Googled search at that moment when people are searching those scriptures. That wouldn't be the greatest Google search in the world, would it, for people who don't know God to read that kind of verse? I mean, if you're trying to recruit people, how many would say that's probably not the best recruiting verse that there is? Because there's a price that is demanded. There is something that has to be given. But here's the truth today that I want you to see. John 3.16, for God so loved, and Luke 9.23, if anyone desires to come after me, they have to go together in order for there to be an accurate understanding of the gospel of Christ. John 3.16 is all about his love. The emphasis on believing in him. Anyone agree with that? Is that the truth? That's what it's about, the love of Jesus, that when we believe in him, everlasting life, the great things. Thank God for that. Luke 9.23, the focus or the thought really that comes out is, you need to follow me and here's how you need to follow me. And I'm going to say something right now that may make some of you upset, but it's the truth. And maybe you need to be made upset. And that is this. There is no believing without following. There is no believing God if you're not prepared to follow Him. Why? Because faith is an action word. When you say we're saved by faith, that's an action word. That's not just dormant sitting there and I'm saved and I'm not going to do anything. And if God wants me to live like Him, then God will help me to live. Let me tell you something. Faith is a doing word. We talked about it on on Wednesday night. Listen to the message. James 2 talks about faith without works is dead. The faith that we have, the belief that we have, the John 3.16, the love that we accept, what? Now causes us to take up our cross, to deny ourselves, and to come after God and follow Him. You've got to understand this, because if we're going to be a follower, we've got to heed the invitation that He gives to every one of us. And that's why I want to look today and next week about the greatest invitation that's ever been given. Because we're going to discover we can't just fly over this. We can't skip through this and say, well, I'm just going to be a follower. We've got to follow him on his terms and how he requires from every one of us. And I know that may sound to contradict what's coming next, but it doesn't. It begins always with how Jesus defines relationship and what it must be. And I love this scripture because that's exactly what it does. It begins with how Jesus defines relationship. What's the first two words that Jesus says? If anyone. Come on, say that with me in the house. If anyone. 
I love that. This is the invitation of Jesus to the world. And he says, if anyone, anyone is an all-inclusive word. Anyone means everyone. So Jesus doesn't begin his invitation with a list of pre-qualified requirements. Come on. Jesus doesn't turn around and say this, that or the other. He says, if anyone. But unfortunately, that's what the church world, many in the church world has done. They have presented a gospel, which I call with a small g. Why? Because it's a gospel that they've invented. It's a gospel that they have interpreted. It's a gospel that they've come up with. And here's how the gospel message looks like in some church circles. Here's what some Christians say the gospel message is to other people. Hey, you can be accepted when you begin to handle your business. Come on, you know, if you begin to fix this and that, then you can come to our church. Then God will love you because with all that kind of stuff, I, God can't accept you. You know, there are some extremes out there and it just breaks my heart to know this. You know, there are some churches and denominations out there that turn around and say, if you're divorced, you're not welcome. Because that's a sin and God can't forgive that. What's God's invitation? If anyone, if anyone, there's no pre-qualified requirements, if anyone, if anyone. And you know, that's so crazy for a church, for the Christian to turn around and say, you've got to be this way or that way. It's almost like a hospital turning around and saying to the ambulances, hey, if they're bloody and bleeding, don't bring them to the hospital. It's like so crazy. I mean, where do they need to go? They need to go to a place where they can get the healing and the help. But we've put a sign up saying, hey, if you're this way, that way, then don't even bother coming. And because of that, there are many people here today, and maybe you're even one of those people, and I'm glad you came today. That you don't realize that you have the opportunity, the invitation has been made to you, that you can follow Jesus. Too many people say, there's no way I could follow Jesus after what I've done. Why would Jesus ever want someone like me? How could he ever accept me? I could never meet the standard. I could never make the cut. Why? Because too many people today believe that their past disqualifies them from a future of following God. And it makes me mad today that many gospel, small g messages that are preached from the pulpit do exactly that. That they exclude people from an all-inclusive gospel. They exclude people who don't look a certain way and they don't act a certain way. That you can't be a part of what God wants to do in your life. God wants to make all people followers. And I've just got to say something. We talked last week about things that frustrate you. If you're a follower, there's some things that frustrate you. And this is one of the things that really frustrates me to the core. Frustrates me that there are people out there that feel that they're not welcome, that God does not love them. And I just want to clear something up today and make something really plain and clear in this house. And that is this. Our job is to catch the fish. But it's God's job and his responsibility to clean the fish. It's our job to catch them. We throw out the net. You throw out a net, you're going to bring some stuff you don't want in. But guess what? You let God and his Holy Spirit do the cleaning. You just bring them in the house. And I just want to make it really clear to every one of you right now. And that is this. Everyone, anyone, whoever is welcome in this house. We're not going to exclude people. We're not going to say, man, you need to clean up. You need to do this, do that. And I'm telling you right now, they may be on your row now. They may not be. But one day there's going to be someone sitting on your row that's not going to smell so good. They're just going to come in off the street. They maybe haven't bathed for a while, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw our arms around them. We're going to love them. We're going to include them. We're going to tell them that God loves them. Why? Because that's the message of the gospel. There's going to be some people that come in here and you don't like the way they dress. Some of you may even look and question even if they got dressed. But you know what? It's not our responsibility to say, girl, you or guy, you are not welcome. It's our responsibility to love them and let God clean them and let God change their heart. So I'm just really being kind to you right now. And I'm saying, if you don't agree with that, if you don't like that, then hey, God bless you. Go and find your little church country club somewhere and find your safe place. And we just release you. We just say, you can go. You know why? We're not trying to be unkind, but the reality is this. If you don't agree with that, then we need your chair to touch someone who really needs Jesus. Really needs Jesus. The gospel invitation is, if anyone, if anyone. And you and I better be thankful that it says, if anyone, because... 
If it wasn't for everyone, you wouldn't be here today. It's easy for us to look at our lives and say, look at me now. But the last time I checked, some of you weren't the most desirable the first time I met you either. Some of you weren't the most appealing. Some of you didn't have all things together. And I want to tell you, you still don't have it all together. But God's working on us together corporately. But you know what? I'm glad that the gospel was presented to you in such a way that God says, would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Notice if you would the sign out the front of our church on the, on the marquee by the street. It says these words, two words. It says, sinners welcome. Sinners welcome. Megan was laughing when she did these slides this week. She said, I did it, Philip, in red and white. So Fred would know that he's welcome too since he's an Alabama fan. So there you go. So I just, just wanted to know that. But sinners welcome. You know, a couple of people have, have come and said to me, Philip, you know, I, I don't care so much for that sign. I, I think it's kind of pretty um, religious. It's kind of really old-fashioned. It's old school. And, and I think it could maybe turn more people away than bring them in. But you know what? I, I, I just really feel that I would rather be misunderstood just to let our heart be shown to people out there. Because I want people to know that everyone's welcome here. I want people to know that there's hope for their lives. I want people to know that there is future for their lives. And every one of us sitting here today, no matter how long we've been saved, we've all got things in our lives, and some of us more plural than others. We've all got things that we're ashamed of. We've all got past, a past. We've all got skeletons in the closet. We've all got things that we wish we could take back and words that we wished we'd never said. We've all got those things. And thank God, through the blood of Jesus, they're under the blood. We don't have to deal with them anymore. Satan wants to bring them back in our minds, but we've got to realize we've been forgotten or forgiven from those things. And and we've just got to move on from those things. But we've all got things in our lives. But even knowing those things, And I want to tell you that God does. And God knows those things to the minutest detail. We may think we're keeping these things hidden and and no one knows. God knows those things. And even when you are at the worst of the worst in your life, guess what? God still invited you. His invitation was still out there. He invites each one of us still today to follow after him. When Jesus began his ministry, he handpicked 12 guys. They were called his disciples. The word disciple means follower. Back in those days, I haven't got time to go into it, but he was a rabbi. He was known as a religious teacher. Rabbis or teachers would have students around them, people that represented who they were. They wanted the best people around them because the best people around them meant that they were the best. You know, People today would want Harvard grads. They would want all these people around them because it would give a good impression of who they were. They were the teacher. They were the rabbi. They were the leader. But it wasn't so with Jesus. Jesus didn't go for the elite. He didn't go for the best. He went for the rough crew. Come on, Jesus went for the dirty dozen. Come on, it was some some tough people he went. They weren't a holy bunch. Some of them were fishermen. That's some tough people right there. You know, they, they talk about cursing like a sailor. I think those fishermen probably had some kind of sailor mouths too, you know. And, and they didn't speak the best and they didn't act the best. Jesus chose one that would later betray him. I mean, what's up, Jesus? I mean, you were having a bad day when you picked these people. Then there was one called Matthew. Matthew, Matthew. Matthew worked for the IRS. Did you know that? He was a tax collector. He wasn't the choice of that day. And I want to look at Matthew just really quickly today. Do you know that another name that was given to Matthew was the name Levi? Levi. Matthew was Levi. Levi was the name, really, that was given to him by his parents. Back in Bible days, people would give names that they would want their child to grow into. A Levite was the people that God chose. The people of Levi, they were to be the priests. They were to be the representatives, the ministers of God. So you can understand when their child or when the parents call their child Levi, what they were saying is he's going to grow up and serve God. That was the course, that was the pathway that the parents wanted to lay out for their son. And praise God, glory, hallelujah, that was exactly what he was going to do. No, no, no. What did Levi do? What did Matthew do? He disappointed his family. He disgraced his family. He didn't follow God, but he chose to serve himself and he became a tax collector. Back in those days, there was not such a thing as an honest tax 
collector. They would take, they would steal unjustly, unfairly from people. But what made it worse, he wasn't just a tax collector, he was a tax collector for the Romans. The Romans was the rule that the children of Israel were under at that time. They were the authority, they were the enemy that was ruling them. So not only was he a tax collector, he was the tax collector for the enemy. He was the worst of the worst. And I'm glad Jesus chose people like Matthew. For what reason? For my life, for your life. Because there's a lot of me, there's a lot of you that we can see in Matthew. Because I know everyone in here, we've disappointed people and been a disappointment at some time or another. I know people in here haven't measured up all the time in life. And in fact, what does the Bible say in Romans 3 verse 23? It says for... All have sinned. If you're thinking holy on yourself right now, the Bible just brings us down to level and the Bible says all have sinned. And you've fallen what? Short of the glory of God. The thought that we have of falling short is just missing the mark. If I'm going to grab that microphone and, oh, I could just almost get it. That's not what coming short means. Coming short means that we are so far away, it's not even possible, even if we wanted to, to grab a hold of that. It's so far. We're so far removed from what really God has for us and what God wants to do in and every one of our lives. We've all said those things that we wished we could take back. Come on, we've all done those things in our lives. We've got the stains of the past that we're not ashamed of. If they were, We'd be ashamed of if they came out. But notice what Jesus does as Matthew is sitting in his tax collector's booth on a busy street. Jesus walks right up to him. Jesus doesn't even introduce himself. Matthew, I'm sure, knows who he is. But Jesus just walks right up to him. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 9 verse 9. Jesus passed on from there. He saw the man, man Matthew, sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. He didn't say, hey, buddy, I've heard about you. You're the scum of the scum. So you need, Jesus just says to him, what? Follow me. I'm sure in a position like that, listen to me, Matthew thought there was no redemption for his life. Matthew probably thought, I've blown it. There's no hope that I'll ever come back. I've been a disappointment for my parents. There's no future. There's no hope for my life. Then Jesus, then Jesus shows up and shows up into his world and turns his world upside down down. Jesus, you see, came for that type. That's the one that Jesus came for. He didn't just come for the religious elite. He didn't just come for the morally upright. He didn't just come for those who had it all together, but he came for all. He came for everyone. He came for the whosoever. I want to say it again. It breaks my heart. How many are not following Jesus because they feel that Jesus would never love them? That Jesus would never accept them because of their mess, because of their mistakes. But look now, if you would, with me at Matthew. Today, people don't know Matthew as a failure or an embarrassment. But they know Matthew as a follower who wrote one of the books of the Bible. You know the book of the Bible that Matthew wrote? He wrote the book of Matthew. He wrote the first gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow, God would use someone like that to bring the message of hope to every one of us. He would use someone like that to write the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, yes, yes. Look at this statement. God's grace doesn't simply just invite us to follow him. But it teaches us how to follow I want to say that one more time. God's grace doesn't simply just invite us to follow him. The invitation is there and thank God. But his grace now what? Teaches us and helps us in the way that we can follow him. From that day Jesus said follow me. Was Matthew perfect? No. Are we perfect? No. Do we still mess up? You better believe it. But even in our mistakes and failures the invitation is still there for us. And his grace wants to give us the strength. To continue to follow him, not to be a fan that comes and goes, but to be committed to his cause, to be a follower of Jesus. Let's go back to Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, our verse, and let's look at the next thing that Jesus says. So first he says everyone's welcome. 
But then what's the next part? What does he say in that verse? He says, then he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, say with me, come after me. Come after me. That's a, that's a phrase, if you didn't know, come after me, was a phrase that was used commonly in the context of a romantic relationship. Jesus isn't just saying, hey, come over here. Jesus is saying, I want you to pursue. I want there to be a love pursuit. I want there to be a romantic relationship. He's describing or painting a picture of a passionate pursuit of someone you love. Come on, let's just go back to memory lane right now. Anyone remember your first love? Come on, you remember your first love and just how you were and just incredible. And Katie's lifting her hands at the back. She married her first love. And she just, they're still in love. She posted a picture on Facebook just the other day of DJ when he was a senior and Katie beside him. But you know what? We've all got stories of our first love. And, And I love how Kyle paints this picture in the book, Not a Fan, and he talks about the process that we go through as human beings, how as kids, as little kids, as boys and girls, we we suddenly discover the opposite sex. And we realise we're different from each other. You know, we see it on the Disney shows, we see it on TV, we just know enough to know that we're different from each other. So here's how we start. We first realise that they're there. But this is how we think of them. We think that they're gross. Anyone remember that when you were a kid? You know, ugh, girls, ugh. I'm going to keep my distance because I was afraid of catching cooties. Remember that? You know, just stay away from them. Boys give you cooties. Girls give you cooties. You know, and then there's a pro- then you begin to progress a little bit. And you begin to realize this. You're strangely attracted to that which is gross. You know, that gross creature, you're a little bit attracted to them. So you begin to have feelings, but you don't know what to do with those feelings. So what do we do? We go from gross to hurting them. We don't know how to express our affection. So here's the only way we know by hitting them, you know, and we're doing some bodily harm. I know what it's like with Luke, you know, Luke's 10 years of age. And I can say this because he's not here, but, you know, Luke's 10 years of age. And most of the time now, the only relationship he's having with girls is he'll come home and say, man, she slapped me up the side of the head, you know, or she chased me and his hair's all messed up. You know, she jumped on me and beat me up and stuff. Why? But you don't want to tell him that she probably is attracted to you and that's the only way they know how to, you know, it's how many bruises you've got at that age knows how loved you are, you know, because everyone's beating on you and hitting on you. And, but isn't it so funny? That's the process and, and the stage. But then, you know, there's another process. And the next process is this, you know, suddenly one day you go from the fact they're gross to the fact I must hurt you to the fact I've got to get one of those, you know. (laughs) I need one of those. Now, please understand, I've just presented to you the male version of the process because we know the ladies version is so much more romantic and it has white picket fences and it has all this wedding day and everything. But to guys, we just go from gross to I want to hurt you to I want you. That's how simple guys really are. I just want you to know that just in case you didn't realize that. But when we're in the process of, I want that, it's amazing how nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. You're in love. You are smitten. Come on. It is absolutely over. But then there's your friends who are around you. They maybe haven't kind of translated. They haven't kind of transitioned into to your level of process. Or they haven't seen that love of your life, you know, that you saw. And, and they maybe haven't. So here's what they're doing. They go, ugh, what's wrong with him? I mean, what's going on? They don't get it. And they think we've lost our minds. Because why would you want to be talking to her on the phone when you could be out throwing a football with us. Doesn't make sense. Come on, why do you want to be sitting at lunch with her and whispering sweet nothings in her ear when you could be sitting at the table with us having a burping contest to see who can burp the alphabet in one breath? You know, young boys, they couldn't grasp that. Young girls, when they're not there, they can't get it. And I'm sure every one of us today could share some crazy love stories. Absolutely crazy love stories. And the key word is crazy. Crazy because what were we thinking? 
What were we thinking? And the reality is this, we weren't. We weren't thinking back then. But our pursuit of romantic love made us do some crazy things. What does Jesus say if anyone wants to come after me? If anyone wants to come after me. But what about our pursuit of his heart? What about pursuing him with our lives? I mean, where are our crazy stories about that? Few and far between. If I was to say right now, come up here and share your crazy story about how much you love Jesus and, and how people looked at you and thought you were crazy with it. You know what? Everyone would probably be shying to the pack and say, I hope he picks someone else because I don't know. I'm going to have to lie. I'm going to have to make something up because there's nothing really that's happened in my life. It's kind of sad, isn't it, that all the wasted energies we spent on winning other people's hearts that ended up most of the time breaking ours. Yet the most important pursuit, we've got really nothing to tell about. I think if you don't already, I think as a follower of Jesus, I believe that this is something that a follower needs to have in his bag, in her bag, and that is this. I think you've got to have some kind of crazy love story about you and Jesus. I just really do. I just think you've got to have something. There's got to be something about you that people around you at work look at you and say, is that person strange or what? I mean, they go to church every Sunday. I mean, can you believe that? And they told me about their tithes that they pay. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, in the economy, I know they already struggle and they're giving money to the church. I mean, what's up with them? They're kind of lost it. They're a little bit loopy. They're kind of a little bit strange. If you notice, I just think that every one of us should have some kind of crazy love story that people who are not on our level. And please don't get me wrong. When I'm talking about levels, I'm not talking we're better than everyone else. I don't mean that for a second. Because it's everyone. It's everyone. But when people don't understand like we do, I think there needs to be some crazy love stories in every one of our lives. You see, fans just love the casual commitment. But followers want the crazy love stories. I mean, what is the love story that you have about you really pursuing God? What is it that you've put down to pursue him? Because remember what it was when you were in love? I mean, if you were away from someone for 15 minutes, it almost felt like you couldn't breathe. (gasps) Can't make it. Can't make it. And as I shared in the nine o'clock service, you know, we, we, we dated in the time where you didn't have cell phones. You didn't have immediate response. You couldn't FaceTime. At best, you had a pager. And the problem with a pager was really great. The message could come in. But if you're in your car and you have no cell phone, you can't send another message back. And you maybe had the coded messages that when you looked, you knew exactly that meant I love you. and all these. But you know what? You had to try and find 25 cents. You had to try and find a pay phone. You had to try and get somewhere so you could respond. It wasn't so immediate as it is right now. But yet, where is it with Jesus? Do we long to be in the house on Sunday? David says, my heart longs to be in the house. I, 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 I just can't wait to be in the house. I long for the house of God. Do you long for the time just to get alone with God and read his word and pray? Or is reading his word and praying become a chore to you? For a fan, it's a chore. For a follower, it's a delight. Because I'm coming after God. I'm heeding the invitation. He says, anyone and God, I want to pursue you. I want to love you with everything. And here's how Jesus sees it. I love it. You know, Jesus doesn't leave us out in the cold. He shows us. Look at this says in Matthew 13, verse 44. This is the parable of the hidden treasure. This is the pursuit that we need to have for Jesus. Jesus says these words. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he hid it. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has. And what does he do? And he buys that field. That's a pursuit that requires everything, but he ends up with so much more. Can I help you understand this? Back in biblical times, they didn't have banks. They didn't have safety deposit boxes. They didn't have places where safes and they could put their money. So what people would do is if they had treasures, they would dig a hole and bury it in their ground. It was a safe place for them, especially if they knew that an enemy was approaching and there was risk that everything they had could be taken from them. Or if they were going off to war or something, they would bury their treasure. The Bible doesn't tell us how, but in the process, whosoever treasure it was, whoever had buried that, had either died or been killed in battle and no one knew it was there. 
And one day a man is just ploughing in the field. He's just working. He's just doing his job. And all of a sudden his plough hits something and he realises, wow, what is it? And he digs around and he finds this treasure chest and he opens it up and, wow, there is so much in there. So what does he do? He closes it down. He buries it over really quick. And he continues working for the rest of that day. And in his mind, he is so consumed with, how can I, what can I do? What is it going to take in order for me to be able to get that? So you know what he does? He figures out a plan. Because he is totally desperate to get it. And the Bible tells us what he does. He goes and sells everything he has. He sells his house. He sells his ox. He sells his cart. He sells his coin collection. Come on, he sells everything he has. What do you think the people around him that day thought of him? Cuckoo. He's lost his mind. He's crazy. Why would you sell? I mean, that's a nice ox you had there. I mean, that's the top of the line one right there. That's a nice cart right there. It's got shocks on it. It bounces down the road. I mean, why do you want to get rid of all of that? So the people around him thinks he's crazy, he's gone mad. But what is he doing? Why would he do that? It's just a field. Has anyone ever said to you, it's just church. It's just this, it's just that. But he knew something different that every one of us hopefully knows. The truth was this. This was going to be the best investment that he could ever possibly make. Because people saw him giving up everything. But he knew the treasure that was in that field. He knew that him giving up everything was going to release into him everything that he could possibly ever want and ever need. That every need would be met for the rest of his life. Right there in that hole in the middle of that field. So what he is giving up is nothing in comparison to the value that he knows he's about to receive. Listen, that's the type of life that God desires for every one of us to have. He wants us to have that kind of passion that does whatever is needed to obtain the prize. Oh Jesus, I want you, but I want this and I want that. God says, I want you to throw all that aside because I'm the treasure. I'm the prize of your life. I'm everything that you need in life. But what does a fan do? A fan plays it safe. You know, a fan says, maybe no one else is going to discover it and one day I'll come back to that. I had so many kids growing up at school that would say to me, friends, they would make fun of me in a group. They would all make fun of me and laugh at me for being the Christian guy and not doing any bad stuff. But when they were one-on-one with me, that would be a different story. And they would say to me, man, I really respect you. And one day, one day, I'm going to make that decision, but I'm having too much fun. You see, that's what a fan does. I'm going to plant a little tree right over that thing so no one will be able to dig around it. So one day I can come back to that. But a fan is all about another day. A follower says, today, I want to do something right now. Because followers understand that following Jesus is a pursuit that may cost them everything. But yet it's the best investment they could ever make. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, do you notice that's not a commandment either? If anyone desires. That's an invitation. It's a choice that we need to make. It's a choice that you must make in your life. And why does he allow us to choose? Why does Jesus not force himself upon us? I'm telling you why. Because true love can never be forced. If you try to force someone to love you, you know what they're going to do? They're going to resent you. They're not going to want to be with you. If you're trying to force someone to be in a relationship with you, you you don't need to force true love. True love will come. And too many people are trying to do that. And and really, that's what religion does. You know, organized religion today, that's what it does. It almost forces people into a relationship with God. Because it tells them, if you light a candle, if you say a certain prayer, if you do a certain thing, guess what? Then you're in relationship with God. You know what? God's not about forcing himself upon us. God's about us willingly making a choice that we can discover true relationship with him. Pursuing Jesus is your choice and what you need to do. And I know in times in church, there may be some things that you may say, well, that's kind of going against it because aren't they forcing me to do that? You know, we may say things like this and you've heard us say things like this. God wants your time. God wants your money. God wants your worship. 
But you've got to understand why we talk about things like that, why we say things like that. And here it is. It's not because God needs your time. He's always been and he always will be. It's not because God needs your money. The last time I read in the Bible, it says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And if God needs your money that much, he'll come and take it from you. He'll get it from you. He can take it from you. You know, it's not that God needs your worship because the Bible says if you don't worship him, the rocks and the stones, they're going to cry out and they're going to begin to worship him. The reason we say those things is because of this. It's not that God needs those things. It's because God needs you. It's because God needs you. God wants your love. He wants you to passionately pursue him. And those things are just come after indicators. They are outer signs that point to an inner reality that you love Jesus more than anything else. Just a couple more scriptures, almost done today. 1 John 4 verse 19, love it. It says, we love him because he first loved us. The most craziest come after story that there has ever been in the word of God and in the history of time has been when Jesus, God, left heaven. And he came down on this earth to die in each one of our places. He took the initiative and he pursued you. And when we realize this and when we see that his extravagant love, guess what? It's going to change our heart. He loved you first. Wow. He loved me first. It's easy to love someone like that, isn't it? To love someone that pursued you. We think that we're doing all the pursuit, but God has already pursued us. When we come to God, you just make his day when you come to him and pray. He's like, remember how you were when you got that call and and you felt all those warm, fuzzy feelings. That's how God feels when we come to him and we pray and we spend time with him. He's like, man, I've been waiting to talk to you all day. Wow, it feels so good. And then we invite him into our problems and ask him for help. And he's like, thank God, thank you that you finally asked me in. Because you know what? I could have spared you from all the unnecessary hurt and pain that you've gone through. He pursued you. The Bible says while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he died for us. Another verse says, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life. The greatest act of love was the laying down of his life. And who did he lay it down for? The whosoever, if anyone, will come after me. He pursued you. But like with every relationship, things can get old. Passion can die. You can be in a marriage relationship and you can love each other, but there's no passion. You can love each other, but you can not be in love. Passion can die. And Jesus addresses this in, first, in, set, in Revelation 2, verse 4 and 5, to the church of Ephesus. He says, I have this against you. He just talked about all the good things they did, that they did this and that, and they gave and they were blessed. And wow, wow, you did awesome. But Jesus said, I have one thing against you. I have this against you. What was the thing he had against them? They've left their first love. Amazing in our lives. We want to say, I'm a follower of God, but I wonder if we've left our first love. The invitation is to everyone, if anyone. Thank God, doesn't exclude anyone. But then the way we pursue him has to be what? In love. Crazy love. Giving him everything. If anyone, he says, wants to make the choice to pursue me, remember this, I've already pursued you. His invitation is for everyone. Next week, we're going to talk about denying yourself. Next week, we're going to talk about taking up your cross daily and following him. But I'm so glad today that I can be a follower of God. Why? Because he made the invitation for me. And just like a party, you can get an invitation in the mail. But you know what? Just having the invitation in the mail doesn't mean you're at the party. You have to what? RSVP. You have to respond to that invitation. His invitation is for everyone. His plea is, would you pursue me passionately and love me because I've loved you first. But each one of us still needs to make that choice. And too many people today are just a fan who's in a casual relationship with God where he wants followers who are totally committed to him. Would you stand to your feet with us today? The invitation has been made. It's now up to you to accept it. I'm just going to do something a little bit different today, and that is this. Instead of, 
asking people. Uh, I'm just going to ask this today, and that is this. How many of you in here today would turn around and say that you don't have a crazy love story? Or you don't have the craziest love story that you think you need to have in pursuing God, but you just want to pursue God more with your life. You, you want to give God more of your life. You, you don't want to be a fan on the sidelines cheering. You, you want to be on the field. You want to be engaged. You want to be doing. You want to be a part of a relationship with God. Come on, how many are ready to pursue God in a greater way? Come on, put up your hands all over this place. Those of you who got your hands up, I want you to do something. Come up the front here with me. Could you just begin to come to the front? Just push down the front not going to take long today, but I just want to pray for you today. I think sometimes it's good just to make a step of faith and say, God, this is what I'm doing, to step out and say, I'm making that commitment just to passionately pursue you with my life. You know, I want relationship with you. I want to passionately pursue. Come on, make your way all the way so people can get down from the aisles, everyone that's coming down. Let's make way for everyone. There you go. There you go. Everyone, everyone included. Aren't you glad today that Jesus doesn't say when you get it right, then you can come? Come on, maybe today you stand in front as your finances are shot, your marriage is in tatters, you've made some bad decisions in your life. But you know what? Here's the good place to start right here. Accepting his invitation and saying, God, I'm part of the anyone. I'm part of the everyone. Can we move up so people can get? Can we do that? There you go. So people behind you, I want everyone to get up here. Not that getting closer is any different, but I don't want anyone to feel that they're left out and they couldn't make it down. I'm going to pray a prayer over you right now. And listen, my words are just words. But it's when you apply them and you say, God, I want you to hear these words. And they're not just words. This is my heart. I want to pursue God like never before. I want to be driving down the road and just tears rolling down my face because I'm so in love with Jesus. I want there just to be such a closeness in my life with it. I don't want to be a fan. I I don't want to come to a stadium every Sunday and just cheer on God. I I want my heart to be broken for what breaks his. I I want to be moved with compassion for people around me. I just want to know that when I go places, I've got something to take and I've got something to give to other people and, and I can give to them what God has given to me through what relationship with him. And what I want to do is I want to pray over every one of you right now. And here's what I want to do. The universal sign of surrender is to lift up our hands. But I'm going to ask you something just before you do that. I want you to think about something. This could be your first act of passionately pursuing God. Your first act of passionately pursuing God is to lift your hands. And I know some of you physically are unable. But I'm just telling you right now, if someone stuck a gun in your back and told you to lift up your hands, you're not doing this. Come on now, you're not doing this. What are you doing? And you're making sure that they know you're surrendering everything. It's not that God doubts and it's not that the outward expression is the heart. But you know what? Sometimes I think even when we come to surrender our lives to God, we just do it so half-heartedly and we just do it just so low. I want us to lift our hands and surrender to God. Can we do that right now? God, I'm yours. God, you're holding me up right now, God, and I'm yours. I'm just giving everything to you right now, God. I don't want to hold anything back, but everything given to you. I want to pray for you right now. Are you ready? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone in this place right now. God, I pray that we would passionately pursue you because you've passionately pursued us. And God, I pray we would not just be a fan that puts on the shirt when we feel like it and takes it off and cheers when things are good. But when they're not so good, we're nowhere to be seen. That God, we want to be followers of you. God, we want to be committed to the cause. God, because we thank you that your invitation, God, it's for us. It's for everyone. And God, we accept that invitation today. And God, we say we want to come after you with everything we have. God, we don't want this just to be words today. We want it just to be so much in our lives that this week you with such changes that God we would have some crazy love stories with you that God we would just have some crazy love stories God with you some stories God of just how passionate that we are about you and how much we love you God that we may even run the risk of some people looking and saying man they're kind of strange they're kind of crazy but God we're not strange we're not crazy we're just in love 
God, we're just in love. We're in love with you. And God, I pray, God, that we would fall in love with you in a greater way, God. I pray, God, my heart, God, throughout this series is that, God, we would have such followers that are committed, that we would be exclusive with you. Our relationship with you would be totally exclusive, God, exclusive as we give you everything in our lives. God, we sell everything to buy that field today. God, we sell everything to give our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Just stay right where you're at right now. Some of you today need to give your life to Christ. Some of you need today to surrender your life to God because you don't know if you're saved. You you doubt that maybe, you question it. Maybe you've never given your life. We want to pray for you today. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask everyone in this house to help you pray this prayer. And those of you who pray this prayer, here's what I want you to do. When everyone else starts leaving and goes to their chairs, or maybe you're in the back, what I want you to do is I want you to stay here at the front because we've got some people that want to pray with you. We've got some materials we want to give you because we want to prepare you. We want to help you. We want to hold your hand and see you through. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give that to you. So those of you that are dedicating your life to God, Those of you who are giving your life to God today, we just want to spend a few moments. We're not going to keep you long. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want to know who you are for a few moments. Those of you who are visitors, we'd love you to go to our welcome room too so we could just love on you a little bit and give you a free gift and just tell you how much we love you and appreciate you being here. But I want to pray right now. And if that's you, if you don't know Jesus and you need to ask Jesus into your heart and life, I want to pray for you right now. And everyone in this place is going to help you pray. Would you pray with me, everyone? Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for my sins and the life that I've lived. I realize today that you are pursuing me because that's how much you love me. And dear Heavenly Father, I want to love you. I want to give my life to you. I want to serve you. I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a committed follower. So today, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I ask you to help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Aren't you glad today everyone's included? Aren't you glad he loves you? Aren't you glad he's pursued you and he loves you? like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.